We began last week a series called Ten, which uh, is based on, it's a summer series that um, I'm really looking forward to do, uh, to doing uh, with you as far as just processing and hopefully integrating uh, the substance of it into our lives. Uh, Typically in the summer I try to find something that is familiar like uh, the fruit of the spirit or the uh, the 23rd Psalm or the Lord's Prayer, something that just kind of resonates with us, but yet uh, oftentimes we skim the surface of it and don't really go down into the meat uh, to enjoy uh, what it has to offer in nurturing our, our souls. And so this summer I really wanted to just take uh, those Ten Commandments, uh, if you were a person that was of, um, uh, of Hebrew or Jewish Tradition, you would just call them the ten words. And essentially, uh, they were uh, so much uh, a fixture in the fabric of their way of life, uh, the Hebrew and then the Jewish way of just living life out, that um, sometimes I think uh, we, we gloss it over because we have the New Testament and we don't, don't need that anymore. Uh, what I'd like to just uh, help us to do is to go backward a little bit in time and, and really discover why we actually do need these ten words in our lives so they can be lived out in a way that um, makes our lives uh, rich and our walk with God uh, strong. Um, now, how many of you could tell me the Ten Commandments? Anybody know all of them? A few of them? Well, well let's, just, let's just start from the beginning. Anybody want to share? You're shy. Okay. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. No other gods. Thou shalt not kill. Still commit adultery. Honor mother and father. I missed it, but... Wait, let's just stop. Let's stop, stop. Okay. Let me ask you another question. Do you guys know the ingredients of a Big Mac? Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on a sesame seed bun. Nine. The ten ten commands are actually better than that. Okay. And... I'm glad that you know that, Attila. Isn't that sad? I know. I was just going through my head this morning. We're so programmed by our culture to think about marketing terms that somebody in Madison Avenue uh, cooked up one day and said, let's just turn this loose on the populace and see if they can get that out of their head. The problem is, while that is a fun thing, if you've ever eaten a Big Mac and if you're a fan of a Big Mac, this is no condemnation on you. I can only tell you, I've eaten my share of Big Macs, and it was during college. And here's my theory. I used to have a pretty dark head of hair. But during college, I ate Big Macs almost every day, and my hair turned gray. (laughs) I'm thinking Big Macs are the devil. Okay. Now, I could be wrong. It could be, you know... 
correlation doesn't equal causation, but I'm inclined to think that it didn't do me any service. However, I, I have a daughter that just graduated from uh, college, and I'm so excited for her. She's uh, getting ready to, to launch her career, and she's working with a company that I feel very comfortable with at this point. Um, when they give her a paycheck, I'm going to feel really good. And after, after that, uh, I know uh, she's going to have an incredible experience just learning what it means to be uh, part of a team and part of the workplace and being gainfully employed. And the last sort of crowning thing that had to happen was we had to find her a place to live to ensure that this thing was going to get pulled off. And her mother, uh, God bless her, she went to New York with her yesterday, or two days ago, helped her to find an apartment, and obviously just got back from a trip from Illinois uh, to be with her mom, and now she's probably going to be going back to um, Illinois again. And it seems like a couple of things have sort of burdened our family. One is the fact that I, I wonder, as my daughter goes into a new environment with a new way of life, if God will remain the center of her life and the things that she has that go to make up all the facets of her life here on earth. I, I, I'm just very hopeful that in, in each part of it she'll ask the question, God, what bearing do you have upon this part of my life? And I've had to ask that question on so many levels under so many circumstances and the reason why I do what I do is because I am firmly convinced that when he is at the center life works and I've tried to live that out in front of my own children and not perfectly but they know my heart's intent and I hope that as they go they see that that's a default mechanism which they just lean into as they begin to walk their lives out. And the other concern that I have is the fact that if you just heard me describe our family situation right now, and not to mention that um, the normal list of things that we have to do, uh, one reason why my face is so red isn't because I'm angry by nature. It's just that I was out in the sun for uh, almost an hour yesterday and at a wedding which I uh, love to celebrate that with the, the, the Schaefer family uh, as Zach and Amy uh, tied the knot. Uh, but it was just one of several things I'm checking off my list to do. While I enjoy each of them, I find at the end of the day I'm just completely and totally exhausted. And this is the thing that I've become aware of, is that the life that you and I are called to live actually requires more of us than we can ever manage. Would you agree or disagree? That it's overwhelming at times. That there truly are more things that we need to attend to that we're capable of attending to. And maybe you're one of those, pe one of those rare people that, that, that you got it locked down and, and, and you, you say, no, I've got everything under control. And if you are, God bless you. But there's a lot of us I know that do not have everything under control. And I, I believe that's honestly by design. Because our lives are, we're called to live them out. 
not in control of our lives completely. Obviously, we have to manage them for sure. But we live our lives out in obedience and faith in God who relationally connects with us and through His grace and His mercy enables us to do those things that we need to do and where we lack, He provides. And even where we don't lack, He provides. And the one thing that I would like for people to understand when it comes to the Ten Commandments isn't the fact that as you go through the list, and we could probably all agree at some point, we've broken one or a few, maybe all of them, I don't know. And so there's a sense where we feel like God said, I need to do this. But as we've tried to live our lives out in the messiness of life, we find that we have been unable to do all this stuff. Which leads a lot of us to conclude near the end of our lives, I just hope and I pray, even though I couldn't obey everything, that I'm good enough when the time comes to go and be with God in heaven and with my loved ones. And there's a lot of us in this room who share that uncertainty. I hope I'm good enough. I've tried to keep the commandments, but I know I haven't been exactly perfect in doing that. And I would just like to take that thought. I wish I could just take that thought and just wad it up and then throw it in the trash. Because it is not the way the Ten Commandments or any commandment or any gesture of obedience that God gives us is designed to be understood. You see, the way it's set up, the way the story flows gives the, the, the commandments a context to be understood. And this is the context, like anything. If you say something to somebody and they don't know the context from which it comes from, like, um, like, like I could say, yesterday I was at a bar. What do you think I'm talking about? Well, you guys know, it was a pull-up bar. Because I'm so buff, I'm always doing pull-ups, right? Right? You know it. Oh, you were thinking that I was in court, right? I was in the courtroom the other day at the bar, and I was telling my side of the story, hoping that I would be acquitted of whatever you think it is I'm guilty of. Wait a minute. All right. I confess. There was a candy bar on the table. It didn't belong to me. I was right at that bar. I ate it. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? No, you don't. Because there's a context for everything in life. And if we don't understand the context, we will not get straight the meaning of what's spoken. And the one thing that God wanted to make clear for the people that heard the word of the ten words was the reason behind why they were given. And essentially it's this, and it's repeated so much in Scripture and referred to so much in Scripture that there honestly is no way you can read the Bible and get it wrong unless you've just got your own mind made up about things. And it begins like this. I am the Lord your God 
who brought you up out of Egypt. And there's variations of that statement. But essentially, it refers to the bondage and the slavery and the captivity that God's people were in. And the broken heart that God had for the people that he longed to connect with. But knowing that, they were at every turn of their ability to exercise their human dignity and their ability to make a choice. At every turn, they were dehumanized and they were forced into situations with complete disregard of their will at the hand of Pharaoh and his oppressors. And God looked at this subhuman situation and he said, this grieves me to no end to see my people stuck in this situation, helpless and powerless to extract themselves out of it and find a new day where they can enjoy freedom and peace and just thrive as human beings. And so what God did was he demonstrated the massive power that he had. First by calling Moses to be his representative and then through Moses speaking his words and then through a series of ten dramas that we call the ten plagues he showed the powers that be that they were no match for the power that he had to deliver his people from their oppressive captivity. And essentially the story of God's people takes on perhaps the richest meaning in the Exodus experience. And as the people are called out of one place and into a new place, God has a challenge on his hands because at that point they have to start looking at life differently. They have to recognize that the life that they used to live and the way they used to think the subhuman, beaten down way of processing their experiences had to be transformed to really a more humanizing experience that said, you are valuable. You are so valuable that I went through all of this work to ensure that you'd be delivered from the world power that, 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 that was in existence at the time and brought into a place of my design, a place, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place that says, I saw you in your brokenness and I took pity on you and I brought you to a place where you could begin to thrive. Have you ever tried to help somebody who had an addiction problem and you saw the way that it just clamped down on their life in such a way that all they seem to think about all their behavior was essentially a response to how that particular addiction dictated their choices. And they knew it, and they struggled with it, but they felt so helpless to begin to move out of it into a better way. And if you've ever had a person like that in your life, or if you've ever been one, you know what I'm talking about. And from the inside or from the outside, as you're seeing those individuals, you're thinking, wouldn't it be great for that day to come when they wake up and they begin to see for the first time that there is a better way to live? And so many of us want to take our friends, uh, co-workers, acquaintances, persons that we just care about, 
And we just want to shake them and say, there's a better way. But oftentimes, no matter what we try to do, they just remain stuck. And the biggest place that they seem to be stuck is right here. Inside their own head. Because they're just thinking about life a certain way and they can't imagine that it would ever be any different. And sometimes God has to do radical and dramatic things to wake us up. And essentially he did that for his people back in, 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 in Egypt who were called into the promised land. And before he allowed them into that place... He gave something called the Ten Commandments. These commandments were so sacred that they were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. All the other commands that were given in the law were actually stored outside of that Ark in scrolls. But inside the Ark, God said, these ten words, keep them handy. Because they will give you a sense of orientation about the life that you're living in such a way that you'll never lose your bearings. You'll always come back to your true north. But if you take these commands and you start basically ignoring them or misunderstanding them as just some set of rules you have to be good enough to get into heaven, it's not going to work for you. And essentially all God was doing was not providing a set of rules that said if you, if you pass this test you get into heaven... No, he'd already, he'd already done the necessary work already to get them where they needed to be. That was just an act of grace. I love you, I'm going to deliver you, and I'm going to put you into a, a, a new place where you can find joy and your life can thrive. And that pattern just continues even through the gospel. None of us are saved by anything that we do. We're saved out of the... The, the incredible generosity of a God who describes himself as a father that takes pity on us like we were his children who were lost. And he's done everything that he possibly can to get us to a place where we can begin to thrive. I hope you understand that context. Because when we get into the Ten Commandments, and God says, not only am I the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt... But then he, when he begins to describe what they mean, and he says, I, I, I want you to have no other gods before me. Now some of you are in church today because you have a, a list of priorities in your life. Maybe God's at the top, and you've got your family next, and perhaps uh, after that's your work, and maybe some hobbies. I don't know what your list is, but uh, maybe each of them are a box. Okay, Sunday is our God box. And then we've got our family box over here. And then we've got our work box over here. And then we've got our play box over here. But none of these things are really connected. They're just something that we do. It's a context that we plug into. And we play by the rules of that context when we're there. Each of the boxes requires a different response. Maybe even different unrelated behaviors. And if that's your view of God, it's a misunderstanding. Because what God wants us to do is to look at life not as a series of boxes that we behave in but rather as a wheel with God at the center and every spoke is just a part of our lives that is somehow 
connected to God. And at this time, I, I just want to embed this in your mind as, um, as we think about it by showing you a, a video of how you put spokes on a motorcycle wheel. Okay? You knew it. I had to put a motorcycle in there somewhere, didn't I? There you have it. Warner, owner of Coldwood Wheelworks, I want to spend a couple of minutes telling you about my motorcycle wheel building course. Most wheel builders in this country are older than I am, which means that at some point if people don't start building wheels, we don't get some younger people into this business, then it will die out entirely. And old motorcycles with wire wheels will end up in museums because they won't be rideable. simple bicycle wheel to one of the more complicated motorcycle wheels, one that seems perhaps impossible to build unless you know the secrets of how to build it. Having done my course you will be able to build your own wheels, you'll be able to build wheels for other people, you'll be able to charge for building wheels for other people, perhaps set up your own business or add wheel building to an existing business. of the course you get two certificates, one for the bicycle wheel building side and another for the motorcycle wheel building side. <clears throat> if somebody were to ask me what my job was, I would say one of the facets of my job is I'm a wheel builder. I try to help people who have come into this building who have said I've tried a lot of different things to make my life work and none of them seem to be satisfactory enough to meet all the challenges that my life faces. And the fact of the matter is I'm at a place right now where I've either hit the wall or my life is so broken that I'm not even sure how to even begin to ask how to make it, make it well again. or. I've tried God in the past and it, for some reason, the church that I went to was more counterproductive than constructive because they just weighed me down with a lot of rules. And I see this all the time through the people that come into our, our, our church here, uh, the families that drop their kids off in our kids wing. And I hear the stories, and they're, they're pretty much the same all the time. And my response doesn't really change much. And it's simply this. It's, it's that your life is designed to have God at the center. And it may have broken down because we misrepresented how we put him at the center. There actually is an art to putting spokes on a wheel and tying them to a hub. And when you do that, there, there, there are certain ways that you do it that 
make it work. And there are certain ways that you do it that just make it just an unholy mess. And a lot of people have fallen away from the church because, honestly, the church hasn't got it right. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just saying that there's a lot of people who are frustrated. And my responsibility and my role is to just try to do what I can to get it right. And if if you've ever tried to put spokes on a wheel and you've never done it before, I've seen my dad do it whenever I was a kid. And I was utterly amazed that he could pull that off. And I thought, I can never do that. But after I saw him do it and he showed me how to do it, I actually kind of figured out how to do it for myself. And I realized that getting all of the spokes in place was just one part of the job. The other part of the job was to put the wheel on an axle. And it's always going to be wobbly, the rim is. Because each spoke has to be tightened in such a way that the rim begins to straighten out. And all of the parts of the wheel, each of the spokes, lives in relationship to the others. And when the spokes are all in order and they're tight and they're straight, that wheel works wonderfully. And periodically, if you have a motorcycle or a bicycle with a wheel on it, you find that your spokes will get a little bit loose. And you'll have to take the wheel off or you'll put it up on the stand. And you'll tighten them up. But if you tighten one up too tight, the other one gets off on the other side. And the point that I'm trying to make is this. If we understand how it is that we are put together with God at the center, and we have people in our lives that can come alongside us and sort of show us the art of living a life with God at the center, we begin to experience what it's like to live that out for ourselves. And as we come alongside of each other in community, we find that that truing, where you tighten the spokes and you loosen them up and and that sort of thing, when we get close to one another and we start to kind of rub on and rub off of each other, we begin to tighten it up. We begin to get healthy. We actually begin to thrive because all of us are designed to live in two relationships. One is to love God with all of our being, all of our muchness. And the other one is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus said, you know, apart from that, there really isn't much more to say. But the art of trying to true the relationships that we have vertically and horizontally are spelled out very nicely in the Ten Commandments. And the very first one is to have no other God before me. And the second one, let's just read it, is this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But 
showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And all God is trying to say is that even though you guys are all pretty smart, if you take me out of the picture, you're going to be missing out on some key things that you can't come up with on your own. And you have to stay connected with me in order to thrive. If you disconnect, your life's going to unravel, your kid's life's going to unravel, and their kid's lives are going to unravel. However, if you stay connected, you will thrive. Now what God is telling us is that He alone is God, and that when we decide we're going to live our lives out, He alone is the only one that should be at the center. And my guess is, if there's a part of your life that is going south, a part of your life that's kind of broken, a part of your life that you're saying, this isn't healthy, my only question for you as I end this message is this. Is God the true hub of every spoke in my life? Or do I have some spokes that are connected to something else other than God? And the truth of the matter is, Pastor, I know it in my heart that it's not right, that it's connected to something that is not healthy, and I'm seeing the effect of it. And maybe God's saying to you, perhaps that part of your life needs to be reconnected in the right way, in the best way. And it all centers on putting God first and keeping Him in the middle. Now the rest of what these messages are going to uh, play out are, are really an expansion on that. This could, be, this could be described as one part of a ten-part sermon. And for right now, my only question to you is, is God at the center? And if He's not, then my desire, my purpose, my role in your life that God has called me to help perform is to help you make that connection.